Katie. I'm Kellen. This is Jimmy. And I'm Andrew. And today's topic is going to be the Myers-Briggs type indicator, um, which is a psychological indicator of personality types and temperaments. So do we all want to say what we are? (laughs) Um, I guess so. (laughs) Well, maybe we should talk about what it is, like what they are, because... People don't know what I and N and T or whatever, what the letters mean. So maybe we should quickly explain each of the categories. Okay. Uh, I guess I'll do that before I'll start. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first one is um, introvert or extrovert, I or E. And those are pretty much what everyone knows. Um, introverts tend to... Um, Think inside their head, gain energy from being by themselves. Extroverts gain energy from being around other people and talk out loud to talk things out. Um, the second category is um, N or S. S is... Right, hold on, before we move on from introvert-extrovert, okay. um, it is worth noting that introverts aren't necessarily shy loners and extroverts aren't necessarily super outgoing. Um it's an indicator of how you process information, not how social or antisocial you are. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, so intuition and sensing and um, sensors, I guess, um, get their information from the environment. And they um, they care about their five senses. And um, Whereas intuition, people tend to abstract information. Um, I don't know how else to describe that. Um, they're just... Um, so, like, sensing is that you're really in the present, and, and um, yeah, it, it's really, like, hard and fast facts and evidence of right now. Um, whereas intuitive sees patterns and, and a broader picture, makes leaps of logic, that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. It's more future thinking and sensing is more in the present. Yeah, I think yeah, I think of the intuitive types as being like like I said, abstraction. They take data and they abstract patterns and uh, see the um, overall picture. Yeah. It's kinda like yeah. kinda like um the difference between uh experimental physicists and a theoretical physicist. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, um, T and F is the third one, which is thinking and feeling. That one's also pretty straightforward, I think. Um, it's how you, um, make judgments based on the information. So the second function is sort of how you get the information in, and 
The third function is how you process that information. So feeling types will use their emotions to process the information, and thinking types will care about cause and effect and consistency and coherence, sort of the logic aspect of it. Yeah. This is one I, I kind of like just because it was... This particular set is different from the other three just because people generally aren't just thinking or just feeling. They have some sort of combination of the two and lean heavily on one or the other, while people are generally 100% introvert or extrovert. Uh, I agree that more people will lean stronger on introvert-extrovert than they'll lean on thinking, feeling. But there are people who are more in between for introvert-extrovert, and there are people yeah. who are more at the extremes for thinking and feeling. Um, yeah. It's just that thinking and feeling, you know, in general, is one that is more... People tend to be in between on this one more than not. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Or at least it's easier to see the other side than it is for an introvert to understand how an extrovert works while, you know, thinking and feeling. You know, if you are a thinker, you can sort of understand the feeling side of things, even if that's not how you would go about making your decision. Right, that it's, it's, it's pretty much, um, there, there's an innate quality where every, it's, we have all that in common, that we both do both. Right. The fourth category is, um, Judging and perceiving, is that right? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, someone else want to explain this one because this one always gets. From um, from what I I get, judging sort of comes with a plan, while perceiving sort of just goes with the flow, or or just yeah. takes things as they come, kind of a thing. Yeah. Perceiving judging are. Go ahead. <laughs> um, judging our planners or perceiving are spontaneous. Yes. Basically, we like the keywords, I guess. Yeah, it's just, I guess, I guess the reason this one always confuses me is that the terms don't seem to connect in my brain what, what they mean. <laughs> right. Judging, it's like, you know, going to jail. <laughs> exactly. Well, I kind of feel that way about a few of the terms on here. But then it's also said, I, you guys were probably just looking online, but I actually have um, a couple books on the subject. But when um, when these letters and words were assigned to it, um, they were basically placeholders. Like, they weren't meant to be really very descriptive. They're just like, ah, oh, this needs a word. Here you go. Okay. I mean, um, introvert, extroverted is there, but that's because it was already an established concept. Right. So from, from that from that explanation, it almost seems like the judging are, they want to influence um, things more, that they're more, um, I guess, uh, active, and then perceiving is sounds like it's more passive, where they just let things happen, and not as concerned about making, you know, playing a part in things. Is that the right assessment? <laughs> I, I don't um, know. I think it's more an issue of foresight than it is about passive and active, uh, you know. I um, think so, too. Yeah, because someone who's perceiving or who's spontaneous can still be very active in their environment and very interested in making things happen. I mean, um, and then 
you know, people who act with a plan, well, their plan could be to live in their mom's basement, you know. So yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't necessarily mean active versus passive, just whether they have to think something through and plan it out before they do it or whether they do everything on the square of the moment. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So a judger might, like, plan out their day, for example, that they want to do this at this time, this at this time, they should go here. Whereas a perceiver yeah. might be like, well, we could go anywhere, I don't really care. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like they'll, they'll want to go to dinner, but they won't necessarily have a specific time or a specific place in mind. They won't necessarily plan it out. And, like, if yeah. other people want to go here, then they'll go with them. They'll just, yeah. Right. And, and like, judges can be really affected by, well, I'm getting some echo, um, but they can be really affected by changes in the plan. Like if they show up somewhere and it's, they had a hotel reservation and they show up and it, their room was different than what they thought it was going to be, they just fly off the handle. Whereas a perceiving person can, you know, make it work and go with it because they weren't so hard and fast in their plans anyway. Okay. Um, so I guess that's a good summary, unless anyone else have anything else to add. I think that explains why I have a bit of OCD now. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you? Well, I've all, I, I think I've tested a bit more, uh, judger than perceiver, but it's, I, the results showed that it was moderate, but there are cases where I, you know, I'm, I'm fine, just, um, I'm very flexible with things, but then there are other cases where, you know, I'm, I actually do like like certain things a certain way. And I use Excel a lot to just plan my life. <laughs> so what's your overall score, Jimmy? Um, I am a... So I'm, I'm... It seems like I'm borderline ENFJ and ESFJ. Um, so I think in one of these um, the sites, they describe that as a, the ENFJ is a teacher. And the ESFJ is a provider. Um, in some of the other uh, times that I've taken it in the past, I've been assessed as as the the, the teacher personality type, uh, teacher mentor. Um, so I think you know I, I think I've been traditionally like that. Um, but I have noticed certain um, changes in myself throughout the years where you know there are certain aspects that move toward a different type of personality. Right, and um, there is actually a classification for people who are very close to evenly split between one of the points, which you would just use an X instead of the letter. So you could be like an X and TJ if you were the midway point before inter between introverted and extroverted. And then you would get, you know, you could get different test results one day to the next just based on your mood because you're so close to the to the crossover line. Yeah, when I first when I first did this test um, years ago, I think I ended up getting I think it was I X X J. Ended up being borderline in between two of the letters. Um, yeah, I'm I N X P by that rod logic because, but I tend to go more I N F P these days. Um, but it's still like very fractional. And I was INTP most of the time I took the test before, like, a couple years ago. Um, so I think I'm, like, more of a disillusioned INTP. <laughs> <laughs>
Because, like, yeah. I was reading one of the descriptions, and INTPs are people who can who think that they that uh, you can study um, and come to an understanding of the universe by thinking about it. I guess those are kind of the 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 grasp the general idea of what they were saying, and yeah, and I definitely used to think that, and I don't think I think that anymore. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, mine has certainly changed from that first one that I did, you know, double X. I've, I think I'm pretty strong on the INTJ now. I still bounce back to the INFJ, but INTJ seems to fit me a little better. Um, you were going to say something? Who? Somebody else? Uh, you, I thought. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm actually an INTJ as well. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, um, I've, I don't know, it just, it fits a little better than the INFJ. I, you know, the thinking and feeling is still pretty close. Uh, that one test site that you put up, and I can't find it now, oh, where it shows the percentage of each letter, as well as, you know, just the whole overall, uh, the thinking I only got, 12%, a slightly expressive thinking personality, while everything else was either moderately or distinctively, you know, 50% or above. Yeah, mine is similar. For the F, I only get, like, 8% or something like that. Um, yeah. But for the I, I actually get 100% every time I take it. <laughs> I'm yeah, completely I introverted. <laughs> and huh. I, this time I got a, a 100% for the N as well. That's interesting. Is it um, is it that very same uh, there there that one of the sites it it looked like it wasn't a percentage score but it was like a a number score, and I got something that was like an assessment of sensing with twenty five. So I'm guessing that wasn't a twenty five percent. And that could be just like the number of questions that you answered that fit that profile. Like I took the actual oh. NBTI because I have it in one of my books, um and. I also took the test page that I posted for you guys, um, and they have it split up where, you know, the number of questions you answer. So, like, I'm a 0-10 split for in favor of introverted, and an 8-12 between sensing and intuitive and, you know, that sort of thing. Right. So it's just, you know, the different type of test you take will tell you different, different means of scoring it, I guess, or showing you your scores. Yeah, so it turns out that I think I'm the only P amongst us. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so that's probably why the planning of this podcast has gone so well. <laughs> so one of the J people should probably do that. <laughs> do you need one of the INPJs to take control? Because we're good at this sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking of. When I started failing. I was like, well, I can sort of jump in and take over. Um, not that I would necessarily want to, but... Which is funny, because that's such a distinctive trait of an INPJ, is that you're willing to take over when you need to, but you don't really want to. Yeah. Did they call that the field marshal? Because I remember, um, we took this at work, and more than 50% of the people at work, that my coworkers, were INTJs. That's (laughs) crazy, because INTJs are not very common. They're very... Yeah. Well, they were actually concentrated on the male side. Um, that uh, 
a lot of them were INTJs, and a lot of the females um, that worked at our company were, I can't remember what it was, um, but there was another common personality, too. So it, it's, it almost seemed like there was a, I, we didn't proactively select people when we were hiring, but it just naturally ended up being the case. Yeah, certain jobs would attract certain personality types, I think. Um, and then INTJ is the least common personality trait for women. It's not the least common trait overall, but yeah, for women it is. Yeah, and then INFJ is actually the least from this particular statistics that I was looking at from 98. Uh, INFJ is the least common in males. And the least common overall. Is it? Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Which, the, that site I linked it. Yeah, right. and my mom is INFJ. I made it, like all of my friends and family take this test. I have, <laughs> and this is one of those topics that I find just like endlessly fascinating. So like right. everyone I know, I'm like, you have to take this and tell me what you've asked. <laughs> Did you find any sort of correlation between you and your parents? Yeah, well, my like, dad. Yeah, I mean, my ahead. dad is an XNFJ or XNTJ, so he's sometimes has INTJ, sometimes ENTJ. My brother is an ENTJ. My grandma is an ENTJ. Um, my mom is an INFJ. My youngest sister is too young to really make the a proper assessment. Um, and then my other sister is the exact opposite of me. So she's an e- ESFP. Wow. And, and she's the only one. Everyone else in my family are mostly NTJs or NJ, right. the rational temperament. The N- right. Yeah, except for her. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's kind of cool. Which it's sort of interesting because I'm I test 100% introverted, but all of every really close friend I've ever had has been an extrovert. Why do you think that is? I don't know why. I just think it was interesting. (laughs) (laughs) It is interesting. (laughs) I I was um I was randomly browsing. Well, okay. So this this specific exercise, um, I I mentioned that we did this study at work. Just um, there was uh, just one day with that we I had a presentation. Um, everybody was volunteered to give a topic um every week, and then like I chose this one as my topic. Um, and then uh, the 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 point that we were making was that you know. Um, depending on, even though there are a lot of people that have lots of different types of personalities, um, you can learn about, like, how to interact with somebody, um, uh, based on understanding where they're coming from within that spectrum, right? Um, and then, um, when everybody took the test, they were also, somebody came across one of these things with that looked like, um, it was an assessment on how relationships work. Um, and then the, the, the point that they were making was that, um, if you were a hundred, if you were opposite to somebody, um, in every single aspect, then of course you're not necessarily going to like mesh well with them. Um, but the, the stronger, um, the stronger, uh, friendships and the stronger relationships are ones that either have one or two that where you key off of and, um, the other two are different. So, um, and they're, they're saying that, um, part of the reason that that is, is that, um, if you are heavily skewed toward one end, it helps to, to interact with somebody, um, that's, uh, balances you out effectively. Um, but then you also have, need some sort of commonality where you're all working towards some similar purpose. I was listening to a podcast on this subject the other day and one of their, um, 
examples they gave was uh, extreme introvert dating an extreme extrovert, and that in those cases the date tends to go really well because the extrovert does all the talking and the introvert does all the listening, and they both feel like <laughs> that they had a great experience <laughs> because they didn't have to talk or because they got to talk. <laughs> But then when they're in marriages, it doesn't tend to go as well, because obviously, over time, you're like, well, I wish I could get a word in edgewise, and so on. Yeah, well, and also, I think that it would be easier for an introvert to date an extrovert than an extrovert to date an introvert, because an introvert will just stop talking to you for a day or two, and then come back and think, everything's fine, we just and talks for two days. That's no big deal. And then the person you're dating is like, why didn't you call me? <laughs> right. <laughs> but luckily, like, my friends have all sort of adapted to the fact that I'll, I'll disappear for a couple days, and it's not because I don't love you. I just need some time away. Right. Yeah. In the same way. I just disappear for days, weeks, months. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that introverted people can feel close to someone without necessarily having physical proximity or talking all the time. Yeah, yeah. I think it has to do with, because for introverts, constant communication is draining, mm -hmm. I guess. So one other observation about this um, uh, this concept in this study is that it, it's almost like a, a, a more scientific version of horoscopes. Um, where, <laughs> no, it's, it was, did That's anybody else? Yeah, yeah, it, it's almost like, alright, so everybody gets bucketed into these classifications, um, but, and, and, you know, it, and it, it also, um, signifies, like, uh, it, it gives us insight into, into possibly, you know, ways that we, why we do things the way we do, um, and also, you know, how to, you know, how to go about, um, um, uh, improving our lives based on that knowledge, too. Yeah, I was going to, like, say something similar to that, but more of the lines of a cynical kind of outlook on it. <laughs> like, what, like, how is this different, really, than astrology? Like, in astrology, they have these really complex systems, and, I mean, if you look at, like, really complex astrology, and they'll, and you'll, based on the moon and the sun and Mars and Mercury, you'll get this huge, like, explanation of what kind of person you are that's so vague and generic that it fit, that everyone who list, who reads it thinks that right. it applies perfectly to them. <laughs> and in this, it's a little different because you're, it's your own answers coming back, but isn't it just echoing your answers back to you? So, like, you'll read the summary of an I-type, and it'll say... This is the kind of person who will like to stay, like, be alone at parties. But that's what you just answered in your questions. So what are you, what's different about this? Like, how is it more valuable, I guess? I think the only thing is that it sort of boils it down. You know, you can read through all the questions and understand each specific answer, but then, you know, combining it to, um, where was I going with this? Um, well, you know, yeah, I don't think that it tells you anything that you don't already know about yourself. But I, I think the difference is that um, it allows you to apply it, you know? Like, yeah. you are this way, and, and this is sort of what it means, or this is how you can use it, you know? It, it is telling you things you already know, but it gives you something you can work with. I think. Yeah, and just as in a different way that you may 
you know, you may have known this stuff before, just not quite understood it, and having presented to you in a different format can sometimes make it easier to understand. So it's just sort of a guide to help you with self-reflection, basically. Yeah. Well, and also in relating to other people, I think. That, you know, you can understand that someone's acting this way because they're, they, they're a feeler. They process everything through their feelings. Then you can relate to them better. I don't get along with feelers very well. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually um, after the introverted extroverted. The thinking feeling was where I was the most um, dichotomous, you know. I leaned way heavily on thinking. And I have a little feeling, but mostly thinking. Well, compared to me, I mean, we're the same thing, but compared to me, I'm borderline thinking feeling. I see both pretty much equally. I'm still an INTJ, but the INFJ isn't very far from my personality type. Mm -hmm. So even though we're the same, we're different. (laughs) (laughs) So um, there's one aspect of the um, Myers-Briggs. I was reading on Wikipedia. Maybe it's not accurate, but <laughs> it was talking about the idea of, uh, like, the, the middle two are your functions, um, and you can have one of them dominant, and the um, the ends determine that. So the feeling thinking is your judgment function, and your intuition perception is your, or intuition sensing is your perception function. And, like, basically those functions order and there's a hierarchy of your dominant, your secondary, your third, and your fourth. Um, and if you're an introvert, then whether you're judging or perceiving determines which one's your inferior function. And then your extrovert, whether you're judging or perceiving determines which one is your um, dominant function. Did, um, well... Did you study that at all, Katie, or? Yeah, I mean, I, I have definitely read about that. I it, I mean, I get it, but it, it's just, it seems so vague. Like, everything that I've heard talk about it, you know, like, oh, this is dominant, this is not, you know, like, <laughs> I, it just doesn't seem very, um, very clear-cut the way they split it up. Yeah, because I thought it was kind of weird, because for me, like, I'm in, um, INFP or an INTP, depending. So that would say my dominant function is either T or F, but I pretty, I always score pretty close to T or F. So it's like, what? <laughs> so. I, w- I, I would think your dominant function, like just thinking logically, not necessarily based on what <laughs> I've read or what people told me, they, you know, the one that you scored higher on would be your more dominant one. Like, because I'm so split, introverted, extroverted, that would be more dominant in my personality than something, than like the um, the sensing perceiving, which my scores were really close, that would be less dominant because it's less clear-cut, I guess. Like, I, I don't lean as heavily one way or the other, so it can't really dominate this other personality trait, which I score so highly on. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was fascinating because I didn't, because it seemed complicated. So I, I leaned towards interest in something like that to how to, how to think about it. And I was just doing like 
statistics, well, like basing it on that statistics of that site, trying to figure out what dominant functions are the most common and are the least common. And it seems like most people are dominant sensing, like 38% of people, and very few people are dominant intuition. And what I thought was interesting is for introverts, uh, dominant intuition is like almost, is very rare. It's like 3.5 set. And it, so, and that kind of made sense to me because an intuitive type is like abstraction. Um, so, so an intro, so I guess I, w I was thinking there might be a social cause to this because for a society, if you're, grounded in the senses and you're an introvert, maybe that's not considered as bad as if you're a dreamer, a daydreamer, and you're an introvert. Maybe society has, like, a stigma against that. Uh, <laughs> and so that might be why only, like, 3.56% of people are INFJ or INTJ, because those would be the, the dominant intuition types for introverts. Right. I mean, I can agree with that to a certain extent, because definitely if you're, like, sitting there thinking about something, you know, people will assume that there's just nothing going on, like you're dead behind the eyes over there, because you're so detached from the situation, and obviously you can't see someone thinking. Because I've, you know, I've gotten those sorts of comments before, like, you know, wake up, Katie, you know, <laughs> those sorts of comments, you know, when it's like, well, no, I was just thinking about something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've gotten that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually really surprising because, like, I guess for for somebody that's um, that doesn't have that personality traits to hear about all the um the you know the types of, of of things that you have to deal with, where there are people that just don't connect. Mm -hmm. But I guess I guess I, I I myself would never make a comment like that. Um, <laughs> but maybe it's because I don't have I'm not that far detached from. At least from the intuition side, I guess, to to, right. to to be questioning that. What was your type again? I don't, I don't, I think I missed that when you said. Uh, e ENFJ. ENFJ. Okay. So we're all ends. Is that right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. We're all rationals, I think, aren't we? <laughs> I think so. What's the rationals? Um, and that's the the te temperament. I don't know if you read anything about that, but there are four temperaments that the different types are classed into. So there's rationals and, oh, what are the other ones? Guardians is one of them. Those are the direct opposites of rationals. And give me a minute, I can find it. Oh, this doesn't tell me the names. But there are um, SJs, NFs, NTs, and... Idealists and artisans? Yeah, those are the ones. My book doesn't have the name on there. But yeah, NTs, NFs, SJs, and SPs. So SPs are the guardians. NTs, I believe, are the rationals. Makes sense. Uh, I, I fall into the idealist. I need to bring up this website so I can talk about this like I know what I'm saying. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the, the different temperaments, um, are the personality types that are most closely related, and then you vary once you get into the different specific personality types. So um, someone 
who is a rational would relate better to another rational than someone who also shared, you know, two letters in their personality type that's of a different temperament. Okay. So the SJ, SP, SF, and, I mean, NF and NT are the four temperaments. Yeah, well, they they think in similar patterns, I guess is a better way of saying it, um, than someone who is of a different temperament but has the same number of identical letters in their personality type, if that makes sense. No, could you try explaining it again? <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so like an INTJ would relate better to an ENT, um, what's the opposite of J? P. 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 Okay. Yeah. Would relate to them better than, um, say, an idealist type that had the same number of identical letters. This would work better if I could just look and see the listing of personality types. Okay. So an INTJ would relate better to an ENTP than an INFJ. Than an ENFJ. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the basic idea. Yes. Um, because you have the same sort of processing, I guess, process. Okay. So you're, you know, you're more rational-minded, like the rationals are obviously more rational, more logical um, than, let's say, the idealist personality type, which would be more abstract and more forward-thinking. So the way you think about things is different. So can you can you say which ones are which again? So S, S, NT is rationalist, but SJ... Um, SJ are artisans. Artisans. And SP? Oh, SP are the guardians. And the oh, NF. sorry. I think, I, think it's, I think it's a flipped, actually. Um, yeah, SJ is the guardian. SJ is the guardian. Look, looking okay. at the, the link that, um, that uh, uh, Jimmy gave. It's hearsay.com. Oh. Yeah. You sent it at Skype? Okay, rationals are NTs. Artisans are SPs, idealists are NFs, and guardians are SJs. Okay. So, I'm either an NF or an NT, depending on the day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you and Andrew are both NTs, both rationalists. And Jimmy, you're an um, idealist. So, we're all very rare people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the statistics. Which I think I heard somebody say that um, the NFs are um, more commonly friends with NTs, um, just because they're and, and it kind of makes sense too because they're 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 the the, the um, how prevalent they are in the population and also kind of mixes it meshes well too, and the SJs versus the SPs. Yeah. So yeah, sixteen point four percent of people are NFs and ten point three percent are NT according to this site, um, whereas 46.4% of people are SJ. Mm -hmm. And just N in general is really uncommon. Like the NS divide is 26.7 for N versus 73.3 for S. Mm -hmm. So I guess that whole abstraction thing is rare. Yeah. Well, that's, the, that's what's funny. Like um, my younger sister... It's the complete opposite for me. Um, she is one of the most common personality types, if not the most common. Um, I can't remember where it stacked up against them. Whereas my family all has these super rare personality types. So she's like the odd man out in our family, even though she's the most normal 
That's a bunch of us. Huh. You said it was your youngest sister? No, not my youngest sister. She's she's too young to really gauge at this point. But oh. the other one. She's younger than me, but not the youngest one. So do you think, like, the order in which you're born might influence what personality type you end up? Like, there's all kinds of, I guess, folklore about first kids and second kids and stuff. Well, I, I think that birth order can affect your personality, but I don't think it can affect your personality type or your temperament, because by definition, those are inborn traits. Okay. So unless you're trying to look at the biological aspect of it, um, then then I would have to say that no, it doesn't affect it. Like, So how much evidence is there that this is that there is a genetic component, or how what percentage of this is biological versus um, nature? The the whole Myers-Briggs type indicator um, has had some arguments against it. Temperaments have been pretty well agreed upon in the um, scientific community. There's been, I mean, uh, Young was the one to start researching this, so they, there's been a lot of research done on the subject. Um, the only thing that's really been widely agreed upon are temperaments, um, and then the 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 full personality types have a little more skepticism aimed at them. Okay. So it's good that we've established that we can all get along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you, Callan, do you know what um, Mari's type is? Did she take that? Uh, last time she took it, she got, um, I think she got the same as me, INFP. Um, but more F than I get. Um, but she says she gets different scores all the time. <laughs> like, she mm-hmm. might be, like, XXXX or something. <laughs> right. Well, I think that that's one of the problems inherent in the, the the test, is that it's based on your perception of yourself. And some people are better at determining their actual qualities than others, you know? Yeah. Like, some people are more introspective, so they are more familiar with how and why they process things. So I would think their tests would be more accurate than certain other people might need. Yeah, and I, I also I also want, like, so your mood as you take the test might influence how good you are at, at judging what kind of person you are, too. And if you're um, bipolar, then you might have a different opinion when you're in a manic state than when you're in a depressed state, and that could affect how you respond. So that's what I think it is with her. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. And I'm wondering whether it's, it changes um, in terms of your environment, too, because I, I, I think it used to be the case that at home versus at work, um, there, there are almost like different types of, um, like I behave differently and I think about things differently when I, when I kind of know when in the work environment versus like among family. Um, I think that's still indicative of your personality type and your temperament, though, because the fact that you act. Well, I don't know about you, but, um, like, if you act more freely and openly around your family than you do at people you work with where you're sort of pissed off, that would be indicative of an introverted personality type. But, for example, what if you, like, in order, like, part of you wants to be, say, um, like, let's say you want to be successful on this job or whatever, and you know that this job requires people to be very schedule-oriented and um, more, so you would be more like a J, maybe while you're on job, just for need to keep the job. (laughs) 
As but I don't think that would um, affect your personality type. I think that would be an act of willpower to act the way that's opposite from your... Yeah, I, I agree setting. with that. Yeah, so yeah. Because, would... like, I'm one of those people that's always late. I mean, I try to be on time. I don't want to be a late person, but it's just who I am. Um, and it, if I really work at it and really try, I can be on time to places. But it's it's totally contrary to, like how I normally function. It takes a much greater air effort than someone who's always on time, and that's just how they are. See, then I'm just the opposite of that. I can't not be on time. I try. I've actually tried to be late, <laughs> and I've gotten there early. I don't know how it happens, <laughs> but, but it does. Because like, you planned on it. <laughs> I know. I planned on being five minutes late, and I got there like 20 minutes early, and I don't know how it happened. <laughs> but, yeah. I'm, so. no, I'm, I'm much more random. There's no consistency. I might be 20 minutes early. I might be 20 minutes late. <laughs> and I don't really care either, so, because I'm a P, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. So it's, yeah, it's not my personality to think it matters whether I'm on time or not. So most scenarios. But. Um, I when I was um reading up on this stuff a few weeks ago, I I just googled INTJ, um, and it was sort of interesting because there were three types of websites that came up. The first was obviously just the basic psychological profile. The second was you know, online groups of INTJs getting together. And the third was um, police profiles on how to tell the difference between an INTJ and a sociopath. What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So what did that last one tell you? Um, Well, there there were several, which is (laughs) kind of the disturbing point. Um, But that outwardly, um, an INTJ can look like a sociopath because they don't show outward emotions and they don't seem um, affected by other people just because they don't express it, you know. Um, so they don't show it on their face. They don't say something to indicate how they're feeling. So they can come across as a sociopath, but um, internally they don't process information in the same way as a sociopath does because. Um, INTJs do actually have emotions and do have empathy and and um and that sort of thing and they're they're way too logical to stab their wife or or whatever. <laughs> right. So what what would you think a sociopath would score? Yeah, on? that's my question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, would it would it be that they they could potentially be all over the place then like that or they could be any of them? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I think from what I saw is that uh, there can be a sociopath in any personality type. I think it would be really hard to score them just because so much of it deals in the way you relate to people. And if you relate to people in a very narcissistic, solipsistic way, that, you know, that's not really relating. That's a one-way street sort of thing. Right. Yeah, a lot of these, you know, if it's like a yes or no question, you know, would you, on, on, you know, relating to other people, yes or no question, they would be like, neither, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't, it's, it, you know, it doesn't fit for them either way. Yeah, and a sociopath would probably be less likely to be honest on the test. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> they, they would just say whatever would get the score they were looking for. Right. 
or portray them as the type of person that they wanted to be perceived as in that moment. Yeah. So I noticed that there are a lot of online communities surrounding the types, the various types, um, but certain types seem to, like, attract people more than others. <laughs> um, like, so there's a, there seemed to be, like, a huge INTJ community, and there's a pretty decent-sized INTJ. FP community, but I didn't see much in INTP online community. <laughs> well, I think it might be that INTJs mostly just like to associate with each other. Um, <laughs> and also, there's not very many of them. You yeah. know, like if you have a really common personality type, well, half of the people you know are that personality type. Whereas if you have a very rare one, um, it's harder to find people that you can relate to. And also, for like an INTJ, well, they're introverted, so they're less likely to talk to each other in real life anyway. And they're very comfortable with, like, an online forum setting versus, you know, talking to someone in the waiting room at the doctor's office. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so I, I, I joined this mailing list for INFPs <laughs> at some point several years ago. It was very strange, because they were all much more F than I am, so, like, <laughs> reading them was, like, weird. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. But I ended up, I'm still on that mailing list, but my Google Mail just blocks it from me, so I don't ever see any of the messages anymore. But I don't mm-hmm. know, I never figured out how to unfollow. But it was, I just thought it was strange that, 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 there, that there could be so much difference within the same type, where people who often score the same, just based on one of the categories. Right. Well, and what I've found with INTJs is that some of the sites I find hilarious, and I love all the people on it, but there's a lot of really bitter INTJs, like, just unpleasant to talk to. Really? They don't like people, they're just not interested, they think everyone is an idiot, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And those are not the fun ones to talk to. And and it was sort of interesting um, that my little sister's personality type says, you know, tends to be um, optimists, usually very happy people. And with INTJs, they're, like, prone to depression, (laughs) Um, often feels isolated from others. Like, oh, swell. I got a good chance. That's kind of the opposite for me. With the INFPs, there were there there were these people who were just so cheerful, almost to the point that it was sickening. And <laughs> and like that, like they they just for eyes, they were they seemed to carry their emotions like way outwardly more than I'm used to. Even though they were, I mean, they were obviously communicating online, so that might be why they're introverts. But it's just I I wonder if any of them really talk like they do in the forum in real life. Right. <laughs> well, I think whether or not you show your emotions is more of a function of thinking and feeling versus introverted, extroverted. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Um, so you said it was the INFPs? Yeah, the INFPs. So th- this one site says that uh, Princess Diana was an INFP. <laughs> it was, were, were there were the people that were very emotional from that sense of um, they were emotional. They were emotional about stuff like random events, and they were so I don't know, like just like something that doesn't seem like it matters at all to me, like make them super depressed or would make them really happy, and it just doesn't affect well, me I think, at all. Yeah. 
I think that's because they process everything through, like, they have to synthesize everything with their emotion. They don't, you know, see it objectively. They, they have to put the emotion into it. Like, in order to process it for them, they have to put an emotion to it. Yeah. And that would, of course, you know, the amount of that would vary on how strongly you favor F. Because if you're closer to the middle, it wouldn't be as necessary to feel everything. This is why I don't get along with feelers. <laughs> <laughs> Which, it's sort of interesting, Kellen, that you're a feeler and I'm a thinker, because some of the conversations we've had online, you've taken the logical road and I've taken the emotional road. Yeah, like, to me, like, when I read the descriptions of INFP and INTP, I actually... I'm actually split on them because there are parts of the description of INFP I agree with and that I follow, like the idealism of their, like, fighting for principles and, and caring about ideals, but not so much to caring about people as much. <laughs> so, <laughs> where they say that's the first. People, people don't matter so much. <laughs> Well, I do care about the people, but it's just like I don't know. The principles matter to me, so rather than the rather than the individual person. Yeah, like I I care about saving like lots of people more than I care about saving one person. So I have that kind of rationalist attitude, I guess. Maybe you're an INXP. Yeah, probably I am an INXP. Which. Which is funny, because with mine, there's just no question. Like, anybody who knows me um, fairly well and reads this personality types, every single one of them has said the exact same thing. They're like, you are definitely an INTJ. <laughs> right. Yeah, I wonder, like, if I ask people what they thought my type is, what they would come up with. Because I've never actually done that experiment. <laughs> um, like, if I ask my family, like, what do you I don't know. It's kind of tedious to read through all 16 types, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, and they get less interesting the more unlike you that they are. Yeah, <laughs> At least that's right. been my experience. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, Kellen, do you remember that exercise one time where um, we it was back when we were roommates, and then there were some co-workers that, that were over? Oh, yeah, and, we were thinking and, about what their types were. Right, and I, I think then and you had already, like picked out, like, where they fell into, um, I, I think pretty, you know, I, 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 I felt that you actually came up with an assessment really quickly from just knowing them, like, I don't know, for a few hours. <laughs> yeah. And, and also very limited types of interactions, too, and then, but then you were able to pick out on key pieces of observation. We were just playing rock bands. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That that was an interesting thing. So I wonder how, I mean, are some people more obvious than others? Or, well, I or, think so. I like, think, and also, like, I think it probably would be easier to judge an extrovert because they provide more information. Right? Yeah, someone yeah. who comes off as an extrovert may not be one because, um, because I'm like, I'm a social introvert, you know, so I'm not shy. And in the proper situation, you know, I can be very outgoing and, and really like feed off the people that I'm with. So there are some people that will swear by their life that I'm this extrovert, um, you know, this crazy outgoing personality. And then as soon as they're around me, when I'm, you know, just sort of having an average day, they're like, is something wrong? Are you okay? You're really quiet. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm fine. This is normal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
also back when we were roommates, Jimmy, I remember thinking about this. I don't know if I talked to you about it. I probably did. But there were sites that listed the, like, the personality types and listed a bunch of, like, people who fall into these personality types. And they would list um, fictional characters, too. And I was just imagining, like, what it would be like if there was a war between the personality types. (laughs) Like, like which group would win? And I actually do think INTJs are going to win the whole thing. That's what I was about to say. (laughs) INTJs would win. The only way we would lose is if we got outnumbered. Yeah, which would be very good. Very well happened. Yeah, I did. That's our one weakness. We don't have because, to... like, the people on the INTJ list were like all these awesome people, like Gandalf. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've seen that list. We had, yeah, Gandalf, Hobbs from Calvin and Hobbs. Yeah, and I was like, wow, they're they're like super awesome. But also, yeah. like the um, yeah, like the. The, the J's in general, I think, had an advantage overall than the P's. But I guess that makes sense. The P's are like, eh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Not really into the fighting and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it was interesting. I would like to, like, look at that list and rate them again. <laughs> Rank them. <laughs> but I didn't well, take into account the, like, prevalence in society, just the people on the list. So, like, yeah, the ENTJs would have massive numbers on the INTJs, so they might probably have a slight slight advantage because of that. Well, the ENTJs aren't, like, in terms of all of the personality types, they're not that many more than INTJs. I mean, if you're looking at just the rational, they outnumber them, but compared to the, um... ESFJs. Right, yeah, I mean lost cause, really. <laughs> I mean, INTJs, there's like 1% of the population. They're like, we can do it, guys! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the ISFJs and ESFJs are, are huge. So. Yeah. But then, you know, we may be able to convince them to join our side and, and we'd still win. Perhaps, but I think <laughs> still want to kill them if they joined our side. See, but the well, ESFJ... You know, after, you know, that would be after we defeated everyone else. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing. The ESFJs and ISFJs, they're not going to be coming up with any abstract, complex plans. They're just going to, like, <laughs> throw their up. army at you, and you're going to, like, have your doomsday device. <laughs> like, so yeah, they're going to be pawns while exactly. you know, we'd be the, the bishops and the queens. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why they call the INTJs the masterminds, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see, and... And, and one other observation is I, I kind of find like um, the 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 with the textual like classifications of these like when you actually name, start having names for them easier to digest and I'm guessing anybody listening would be like all right they need some some cheat sheet in front of them right <laughs> whereas when you say like masterminds or your field marshals your scientists you know those I think those are easier to to relate to mm-hmm. yes. Well, we can switch over to using those. It's gonna make more sense for people. <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, I, I agree. The masterminds and the field marshals are gonna rule the world if it ever comes down to that. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that we just don't really want to. <laughs> yeah. Only when other, only when everybody else starts screwing up, that's when it's like, okay, fine. <laughs> well, you know what we do is we take over and then we put up a, a mouthpiece, um, right. dictate, or, you know, figurehead. Ah. And then we're ruling from the 
in the back room while someone else does all the media blitz. So yeah. what personality type would you choose for your figurehead? <laughs> hmm. So one of the more common ones so that more people could relate. <laughs> yeah, I would do... <laughs> I'd probably do ESFJ, one of the extroverts, to go out, to go out among the people and be nice. <laughs> or, or what's the one that likes to be the center of attention? I think it's one of the guardians. It sounds like an artisan if they were craving attentions. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then performers, yeah, like an ESFP. That's yeah. A performer or a promoter, either one of those. <laughs> no, performer, definitely performer. That's an ESFP. You think that's why the, um, there are a lot of conspiracy theories related to Elvis? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think just Elvis was one of the first, you know, biggest time, you know, rock stars. And you know, <laughs> everybody, everybody loved him. So when he was gone, they like, he can't be gone. Because if he's gone, then my world is over. And so, <laughs> yeah. You know. Well, and I, I think that one of the... Pro- that an ESFP, a performer, would be more willing to compromise their ethics than a rational would. <laughs> Easier to control yeah. those Fs. <laughs> yeah, they, they get to be the center of attention, so they'll just do whatever. I know that you should pick. You should pick the guy who did that rainbow music. Oh, I mean, that rainbow video where he's the crying double about the, the, oh. Yeah, the double rainbow. That guy. <laughs> the original video, because I saw an interview with him. He's uh-huh. definitely an ESFP, I think. <laughs> he seemed like happy and everybody would like him. Definitely the kind of person, I think, who could rule your empire. <laughs> well, you control it from the background. And look how like popular his, his double rainbow video became. So he already has the ability to. That's true. And, and the performers are, are some of the most, are like the most beloved people in our society. Have, have pretty much all been ESFPs. I mean, there are ex- exceptions, obviously, but, you know, the, the people that other people rally around and, and love so dearly and can do no wrong, they've all been ESFPs. I think Obama probably isn't. He's probably... He's probably introverted, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I read from somewhere that he's a ENFP. ENFP. He, really? Yeah, that's a, that completely surprises me. Actually, that only, surprises me too. That means only and I would have predicted of those. I might have. I mean, <laughs> no. I wonder how much of that is based on his actual personality or based on his public appearances and his, you know, that sort of thing. Because how someone performs is not necessarily how they act on a day-to-day basis. I mean, anyone yeah. can look like an introvert or a feeler or any of those things during a speech. But it doesn't necessarily mean that's how they act. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay, NPR did this study. <laughs> He's a champion. Uh, John McCain John McCain was a promoter. A promoter. So what are those? Which, and what a is? promoter is an artisan. Um, hold on, I can tell you the exact one. ESTP. Okay. So similar to John Kennedy. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the artisans in general tend to be public figures. Whereas rational tends to be, you know, the, the great thinkers like Einstein and, and those sorts of people. Yeah. And then idealists are like Princess Diana, Mother Teresa, Gandhi. Yeah. People like them, but they're not, and they can be famous, but not 
necessarily. And a lot of figureheads, um, political figures, and interesting are guardians. Yeah. I mean, Champion makes sense, I guess. When you think about it like that, it makes sense for Obama. Yeah. Which one is the champion? E-N-F-P. The dealist. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, I'm not surprised about the idealist part, actually. No. <laughs> I mean, of the idealists, I could see champion fits the best, but, you know, versus healer or counselor or teacher, but... I don't know, maybe champion's just a bad word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, which, that, um... That analysis makes me think that it's based on his public appearances more than anything else. Yeah. Because in order for him to get elected, he sort of had to be an idealist. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, and that yeah, I, I definitely agree. He hasn't governed in exactly the same way. So maybe his more his true personality is coming out more coming out since that. <laughs> I don't know. But I don't want to get too dangerously into the politics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, it helps to talk about public figures, just as long as we don't get into the actual politics of it. Yeah, just people that everybody knows of is like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. And then there, there are these other um, spin-offs that aren't really like scientific, but then those um, superhero personalities. Oh yeah. <laughs> when you mentioned Gandalf, I was reminded of um, you know, like taking the the, the what, so what Marvel character are you and what uh, DC character are you? And I found it a little odd that it seems like the the Marvel characters were much more relatable um, than than the DC ones. Like, well, I think that, go ahead. Oh no, if you're still going, I have a different point for you. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say that you know. Um, it, it might just be because of, of the theme too, because I think I think um, how they market Marvel, it's it's more like they want it to be more realistic and more like relevant to the times. As you know, DC has always been more you know um, more grand and a little godly at times. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I don't know if um, I know Helen watches Stargate. I don't know about the other two of you, um, <laughs> but one of the comments that's made about the Atlantis characters is that they're not that relatable. And then I've seen um, these profiles as relating to them, and like the two main characters, John Shepard and Ronnie McKay. John Shepard is a mastermind in INTJ, and Ronnie McKay is a field marshal in ENTJ. Um, and both of those personality types in, you know, in real life are considered to be very hard for other personality types to relate to and to get along with. Right. So it makes sense that people don't relate to him, you know, or at least the majority of people don't relate to him because they would be completely different. And and people would comment like these characters don't have the same chemistry as the previous series SG One did. Um, when I think that they have a great chemistry because that's the way that I I think and the way you know because I'm an INTJ, so these personality types make sense. To me. Yeah, I Whereas agree. Whereas when they're all feelers and that sort of thing, I know. I, yeah, I yeah. Th- I thought they related really well in that series. I thought the chemistry, like the first season, it was a little iffy, but then after after that, yeah, the first I felt, seasons always are. Yeah, <laughs> but after that, I thought they got along really well. I thought um, the only thing is, like when Weir left, I felt that it didn't connect as well. The the new leaders that they went through <laughs> didn't yeah. connect as well. But other than that, I thought the main four people, I thought they got along. 
great, and especially the Rodney Shepherd <laughs> relationship was definitely very well done, I thought. But again, I'm also, well, sometimes I'm an MT, so. And, and for me, I always have a very hard time relating to fictional characters because I, I look at them and be like, I would never do that. I would never think that. I would never say those things. But I have one of the more uncommon personality types, so I don't really appeal to the masses. Yeah. <laughs> so as far as, like, the superheroes go, like, the, the um, DC heroes, they're, I don't know. Well, I guess I never related to them at all, so I guess they must be some of the more common personality types. <laughs> yeah, I would think they're probably mostly idealists or guardians. Hmm. Well, is I, uh, is Bruce Wayne a different personality than Batman? <laughs> Good hmm. question. Well, and I th- I think that Bruce Wayne and Batman are very different from Superman or Spider Man in terms of you know personality. Definitely. Because, you know, Superman and Spider-Man, they're both very, you know, idealistic, very emotional, I think. Whereas um, Bruce Wayne slash Batman is very um, stoic, very much a loner. Very calculating. Right. Yeah, so I think, yeah, I think he's the same personality. I think Batman is his personality. <laughs> and Bruce Wayne is, is a calculated decision on his part. <laughs> To be uh, yeah. like Bruce Wayne in order to appear like he might be appearing like an ESFP or something, but he's really like an INTJ or something. I don't know. Right. Or, and, and, um, you know, by his nature, he, he sort of lends himself more to the rational. So someone who, you know, wants to do these things, but doesn't necessarily want to be, you know, the face of the movement or the leader. He just sees how things can be better and wants to do it. Right. And and thinks he's the best man for the job. So that's that's a rational, <laughs> uh, rational meaning temperament, not rationalism, the dictionary definition. <laughs> so, yeah. So do you think Iron Man is an extrovert? Yes. <laughs> he certainly appears to be. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's that whole thing of how he uh, outwardly portrays himself versus what he really is. I don't really know much about Iron Man. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> Like, I, I've never read the comic, I've never seen the movie, I've only seen our commercials, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> I've seen I've seen the movie, I've seen the first movie, I've seen the previews for the second movie, and, you know, he seems more open with him being Iron Man. You know, you know, he doesn't really have a secret identity. I think that sort of relates to Extrovert as well, because if he had had a secret identity, then Iron Man would be very um, introverted. Or, you know, one of them would have to be introverted, you know, or else, you know, oh, I can't think of what I was saying. But, you know, he is extroverted. You know, the guy, I can never remember his name. Oh. Right. And, and the fact that he doesn't have a secret identity makes me think he's probably an artisan, a performer. Not necessarily right. a performer personality type, but. Yeah. Yeah. Because he merged the two together because he couldn't have the attention of one without, you know, the attention of Iron Man. He needs it to go to him, not just Iron Man. Yeah, yep. he's definitely an attention seeker. I could definitely see that. Yeah. But I he has be... intro he has introspective moments or sometimes he seems like he needs to get away from everything. That's why I was asking, I guess. Right. Well you can have introspective moments. Like just because you're a performer doesn't mean you never you know <laughs> 
analyze or become introspective. Yeah. Just that it's less prevalent in your personality. And then Superman, I think, would be a guardian because he seems to have his secret identity as a necessity, not necessarily because he wants to keep them separate, but because he thinks that would be best. And he's all about, you know, protecting the people. Yeah, he's got to be a guardian. Yeah. And I think Spider-Man is probably an idealist. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. So it's probably it's easier to spot these by temperament, though. Yeah. I mean, un- until you start really looking at them, as we're just, you know, chatting now. Yeah. Yeah, I guess idealist. Idealist fits the best. I guess, and of that, champion. I, I think he's probably an introvert, don't you think? Yeah, well, hmm. No, maybe he's just a pansy, I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he, okay. he doesn't seem to relate well to people in his, you know, real life. Yeah. And, and the the Spider-Man identity seems like a way for him to be something he doesn't get to be on a normal basis. Yeah, yeah. I think for Spider-Man, I think the movie portrayal is, is quite different than the comic book portrayal. <laughs> I don't know yeah. that makes a difference. He's more of a pansy in the movies, I think. <laughs> He's kind of a pansy in the comics, too, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not necessarily that Spider-Man's a pansy, but that, that uh, Peter Parker is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, definitely there's some of that. I don't know. I mean, the, for comic books, it's kind of strange because writers constantly reinvent the characters, and sometimes yeah. they do it very poorly. <laughs> and they yeah. and, and you also have to look at, you know, what time period the comic was written in. Because, yeah. you know, even Batman looks very different now than he did, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Oh, yeah. like the, uh, the Adam West Batman. <laughs> the TV show, yeah. Hey, I grew up on those things. Those were yeah. awesome. <laughs> I, I love yes, them, too. <laughs> I think that the way you you uh, wrote that comment, Katie, like, same bat time, same bat channel, that's how we should end the podcast. Every <laughs> 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 Join us next week. (laughs) (laughs) I think, like, Frodo had my personality type or something, or INFP. I think from that list I remember reading. Really? Yeah. Which I don't, I mean, that's why I was like, yeah, I I was kind of disappointed because the INFPs are, like, doomed. (laughs) Because I just can't help but think about it as, like, the worst area. I think I should just defect or something. <laughs> Here's an interesting thought. Um, for any one given superhero, what personality would be their ideal supervillain? I, I think... Mean, if you're... Go ahead. Um, oh, I was just going to answer your question. Um, well, for Batman, I think he has his ideal villain, and that's the Joker. I mean, the Joker was conceptualized to be everything Batman wasn't, you know, to be his exact opposite. And but, to be some, maybe some of the things he secretly wanted to be, or some of the things that he loathed about himself or about society. I mean, that was his original conception. Right. Does does um like the um the Dark Knight Joker um seemed like he was also irrational though. Well, was the, also irrational or irrational? Uh, well, yeah, rational in temperament was my thought, but mm-hmm. um, he's he's got to be like a performer type, doesn't he? I mean, the, the Dark Knight Joker is kind of weird. I don't know if that... And he's different. very yeah. different from every other Joker. Yeah. I mean, he's 
It's awesome. It's very different from every other Joker there's ever been. Um, or, or maybe I was giving too much credit to 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 him just like being a mastermind in terms of just like being several steps ahead of things. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was crediting him more to the rational side. But then there, yeah, there is definitely the the whole performance aspect too. Um, but that that's almost like out of necessity. Like the Joker as a villain is almost like um, Bruce Wayne as as it as it is a Batman. But in the way that he presents himself, I mean, the Joker sort of is the Joker all the time. You know, yeah. like when he when he's by himself, he doesn't stop being that personality. And I could never see an INTJ being like the Joker, even if they were putting on a a facade. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we kind of already had this conversation, though, because we can't really judge a sociopath. Or, like, they can't take the test and tell us what their answer is. Or it's harder to judge for sociopaths, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would think he'd have to be a performer. If if we're, you know, speaking at... He's definitely someone who wants attention. Or, or rather, not necessarily performer, but like the artisan. I keep forgetting performer is a specific personality. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a promoter. He promotes Rock. chaos, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't. I mean, like he doesn't have an agenda. That's what makes me think not rational either, because you know he does all these horrible things, but it's not for any reason. It's just to do horrible things. Yeah. Yeah, because he he gets something out of doing horrible things to people, not because he has some great plan, and that's why he's, you know, trying to trying to take over the world. Yeah, like Lex Luthor might be more of a rational. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I think he makes a good villain for Superman because Superman's kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Superman, I think, is more of a, of a feeling personality type than a thinking personality. Oh, and I was just looking at the description of the performers, and this line seems to the, the Joker, it's, pleasure seems to be an end in itself for them, and variety uh, is the spice of life. Like, that to me says Joker, you know, very yeah. indulgent, and very, you know, driven by the performance and the, the joy of whatever he's doing, even as those things are, you know, terrible to a regular person. Yeah, I can see that, definitely. They, they're open to trying anything that promises them a good time. And not always giving thought to the consequences. Yeah, that fits. So you want to go through any other superheroes? <laughs> Wolverine, Professor Xavier. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm more interested in Professor X versus Magneto. That dichotomy. Uh, like, see, I think Professor both, X is probably irrational. Yeah, they're both rationals. Yeah, I, I would definitely think they're both rationals. They've just ended up on with different goals in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they used to have... work together. They seem to have very similar personality types, just different goals. Yeah. yeah. I think sometimes that makes some of the best dichotomy in stories where they're the same personality type and they just, or very close, and they just um, draw different conclusions about how they should lead their lives. Like, uh, and they end up with very different goals. Yeah. And and that's, that's interesting that you should say that. Um, because... My friend's personality, I don't remember which type it was. Um, it was, it was one of the feeling types, um, extroverted feeling that I remember what the other two were. Um, that if you have someone, this type that was grown up in a positive environment, that sort of thing, they'll be the nicest people you'll ever meet. They'll just go out of their way for everyone. Um, but if you get someone who, 
grew up in a, in a harsh environment and has sort of a skewed sense of morality, um, then they're highly manipulative and, and very good at manipulating people um, and emotionally abusive and all these sorts of things. So just, you know, their sense of morality dictates whether they're the best person you'll ever meet or the most manipulative, horrible person you could ever associate yourself with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Which, and you don't get that much of a swing in all of the other personality types. It seems certain ones are more um, susceptible to that sort of dichotomy than others. Sure, like uh, Professor Moriarty and Sherlock Holmes would probably be the same type. And yeah, so of course Xavier Magneto. So like INTJ actually seems to shift for environment. For the for the X Men movies, I just can't watch those without thinking that it's Gandalf versus Captain Picard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I don't know who to root for. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Captain Picard versus Q. They're very different personality types. I cannot stand Q. When I was little, watching. Next Generation, Q scared the hell out of me. I hated every single episode he was in. Like, it's like, the whole, like, 90s sci-fi thing, some of the, you know, usually I love sci-fi, but some of the episodes just get really weird and unsettling, and I don't enjoy watching them at all. Just because, like, something about it, I don't know, it doesn't, like, scare me or anything, but just watching it is just so unsettling. (laughs) Which I kind of feel that way about, it's one of the really early episodes of Stargate SG-1, I think it's in the first season, um, called The Gamekeeper. I hate that episode. It's a great, it's a wonderfully written episode, but just watching it is just so unsettling. Oh. Huh. So that, that was, like, they're, like, in a, a virtual reality, sort of, set up yeah. by some android guy. Yeah, the, all, the people of this um, planet were all in this virtual world. They were all in pods because there was some sort of horrible thing that happened and they killed the environment, the atmosphere on yeah, the planet. Yeah. So they were in these pods until it became livable again. Um, have you seen the movie Gamer? No. Okay. It's something kind of similar to that. Yeah. It's basically um, taking a virtual world but having real people in it where someone actually basically mind controls another person in a virtual world. That was weird. Yeah, I've seen trailers for that, but I've heard it's not a very good movie, so I haven't seen it yet. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. You know, it's not like, you know, it's not necessarily a theater movie, but, you know, sometime when you're bored, go watch it. Stream <laughs> it on Netflix or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so is it, so was it the, um, the whole virtual reality thing that made it unsettling or the, uh... No, I, it was the, the main character, the main guest star. In that one, which is the um, computer personality that's keeping all of those people in the virtual reality, despite the fact that the world is livable again. Uh, I guess he doesn't want to be alone, or I don't remember exactly. It's been so long since I've watched it because I hate it so much. Um, but I don't know. I mean, something about it—it's just maybe it's it's... really uncomfortable to watch. It's just very unsettling. I and I don't know how else to really describe it. Maybe it's because this is just a theory, but maybe it's because that person had so much control over their lives and you're a person who likes to be in control, maybe. And the same thing with Q. He had, he had such complete control over everything that happened to them. Mm-hmm. And it's so unpredictable. Yeah, and very unpredictable and random the way they 
way he interacts with their life. Right. And I feel kind of the same way about the replicators, too, on Stargate. I keep talking about Stargate. I hope you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, a little bit. I've seen this in some episodes. Yeah, the the it's replicators are these mindless, like, bug robots, and they just, right. they just eat everything to in order to replicate, hence the name. And that's their only goal, and it's it's just like chaos. I don't know. Chaos makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> and irrationality. <laughs> Like, the, the bugs don't have any reason for eating things. They just eat things. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what, what type of personality do you think Q has? He's got to be another performer type, right? Maybe that's just the common villain type. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that he's necessarily a performer. Because he seems artist. to want to, like, screw with people on an individual basis. Yeah. Um... I have no idea because he's he's very weird. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember. It's been so long since I've watched those episodes too. See, once I, once they bother me like that, I'm like I can't watch this again. I can't. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. I just remember how it makes me feel. <laughs> I'm like, no, I hate. Yeah. So yeah, I don't want to actually think Q was a performer because Q wasn't doing it for the attention. He just he, he when he was performing it, it had another purpose or something. Right. Or it was he kind just of seemed to, to enjoy the them. thrill of messing with somebody. Yeah, it was a crafter. Crafter who um, He's an artisan as well. It's I S T E P. Okay. I was talking about taking to tools, but maybe this person. I mean, I have really no idea what you're talking about. I'm just basing on what you're saying now, but um, but maybe he's using people as tools instead of you know tools as tools. That actually makes sense. Oh. That might be right. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, and he has like, if I'm not totally mistaken here, he has some some like additional inborn powers that regular people don't have. Am I right about this? Yes. Okay. He has like <laughs> godlike powers. Right. <laughs> so he's just right. So his tools kind of come from within himself, more than you know needing to use a tricorder or holodeck or whatever. Yeah, he can basically do whatever he wants. He can, like, change the gravitational constant in the universe. He does mm-hmm. that in one episode or something. Right. Let's Actually, see. the more that I'm looking at this, the portrait of the crafter seems to seems to fit him pretty well. But this is off of my shaky memory <laughs> that's <laughs> coded with emotional reactions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They seek fun and games on impulse, looking for any opportunity, and just because they feel like it, to play with their various toys. Yeah. They thrive on excitement, and they're fearless in their play. Yeah, that that does seem to fit. I agree. Yeah, and he does seem like the the introverted personality type as well, because he's not that expressive, you know. Yeah. In terms of what he's thinking or feeling. And that's part of what makes him so unpredictable too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any other like fiction we want to go through? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm. I'm. It, it seems like we're actually drawing some pretty um, similar. Um, yeah, I was mentioning that the the personality versus nemesis thing. Like, so the the the, the conflict between Picard and Q almost seems a little bit like um, between Batman Joker. Um, if we're saying, did we say that Picard is irrational? I th- I think he is. Yeah, he's got. Yeah. Right. I think so too. <laughs> but um, and and then we, so the, I think that's an interesting like you know like theme to go off of, and then um, the, the whole rational versus rational with um with 
Professor X and, and Magneto, right? And then, so we also pointed out a irrational guardian. <laughs> but I'm wondering whether there are other, are there certain formulas that just work better? What 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 rational guardian did we do? Um, with, uh, Superman, Superman, Lex Luthor. Oh, right, yeah. right. So maybe it's just like um, the the N F's and N T's tend to oppose the the S P's and S J's. Which is yeah, which goes to um, that that whole point of temperament that um, in terms of of um, uh, of like friendships that's that had been that's been something that people have said before. Yeah, so rationals and idealists tend to find it easier to be friends, and artisans and guardians find it easier to be friends, right? Yeah. But then we also see the rational within rational, which we said had to do more with probably diverging paths and backgrounds, I guess. So Magneto right. and Xavier. Well, with, with rational against rational, I think that they are, you know, give each other the best competition, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're the the most well-matched against each other, but in terms of on television, I think that they're less interesting than um, the, the completely dichotomous personalities. Right, it's almost more like a chess game than it is some, like, drama unfolding. Right. 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 So it's they're, hard, they're, they're more well-matched. Yeah, and often, if you have two masterminds fighting against each other, it's hard to know who to root for. It's like, which one's the bad guy? <laughs> and then, well, if you got Lex Luthor versus Superman, you're like, oh, one's obviously, you know, completely good, one's obviously completely bad kind of a thing. Yeah, often, though, like, often when you have two of the same type, they'll do, a, like, some kind of story where they used to be friends, and now they're fighting. That creates the drama of the plot, generally. Like, they... <laughs> they that their paths diverged at some point, like the right. Xavier Magneto. Like so, um, yeah. uh, Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Grind Grindelwald is that his name? It's been so long since I read those books. And Harry Potter. Yeah, well, I don't remember that too well myself. But it's been mm-hmm. ages, yeah. I think those those characters, Dumbledore and Grindelwald. I hope I'm saying this right, or I'm going to feel like a moron. Um, but I think they were both idealists. Um. <laughs> And then they split because of having, you know, again, a different um, moral code. Because when they were working together, their big, you know, catchphrase was for the greater good. Yeah. And and Grindelwald was willing to, you know, do whatever it takes, hurt whoever he had to, as long as it was for the greater, greater good. Whereas Dumbledore kind of um, had more of an interest in, in the individuals as well as the overall... And that's where the split came. Definitely, yeah. Hmm, that's very interesting. That that also like that um, showing the the darker side of idealism. Mm-hmm. I also think it's interesting if there are like are there like really close friendships that like don't follow these patterns in literature, where idealist artisans are friends, or idealist guardians or rationalist guardians are very close friends. So, I don't know. So what personality would Ron be from Harry Potter? Um, I would think he would be a guardian. Say, because he's very, um, you know, he's he's cautious and he's loyal and and he has this sense of duty. 
Okay, so Hermione would be a, has to be either an idealist or a rational, right? I think she. Um, well, I, I mean, my initial impulse was to say rational, but now that I think about it, I'm like, no, she's kind of emotional too, like emotionally driven. So maybe an um, idealist. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. I have no idea what we'll be talking about, but it'll be fun. Last week I left a note on Laura's desk It said I love you, signed anonymous friend Turns out she's smarter than I thought she was She knows I wrote it, now the whole class does too And I'm all alone during couples skate When she skates by with some guy on her arm but I know that I'll forget the look of pity in her face When I'm living in my solar dome on a platform in space Cause it's gonna be the future soon And I won't always feel this way When the things that make me weak and strange get engineered away It's gonna be the future soon I've never seen it quite so clear and where my heart is breaking I can close my eyes And it's already